So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Tiffany is a business owner and blogger who helps women discover their worth, unlock their potential, and live abundantly. After growing up in the Midwest, she and her husband relocated to Texas when given the opportunity to open their own business. She now considers herself Texan and has fully adopted y'all into her vocabulary. In late 2015, God's call for her to write could no longer be ignored, and she followed his lead, started a blog, and began encouraging women through words. She's passionate about equipping women to study God's word and walking alongside her sisters in Christ into an intimate relationship with Jesus. Using her own tough lessons and mess-ups, she empowers women into spiritual growth through Bible studies, devotionals, and other resources found at www.tiffanyrave.com. Today, she lives in League City, Texas, where she and her husband, Caesar raise their two sassy toddlers. She welcomes any coffee recommendations and prayers. Without further ado, here's Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, good morning. Hey, thanks so much for being my guest today. I am so happy that you're having me. Yeah, so you and your husband are owners of Leaders for Life Martial Arts in Texas. And martial arts is something I have never done before. So for others like me, what qualities does martial arts instill in participants that make them leaders for life? Oh, girl, that is a good <laughs> question. Um, I started martial arts whenever I was four years old. And I never knew how much I would get from it. Obviously, I did it for fun. But um, no, it has been so good. I would say the three big ones would be discipline, focus, and commitment. I think um, discipline, for sure, uh, because sometimes you have to do things that are uncomfortable. Uh, focus, because it um, helps keep your mind and body engaged and you're you know, working all different kinds of things at the same time. And commitment is probably the biggest one for me because I was never allowed to quit. <laughs> and mm. so now as a leader, I have that same mentality in my marriage and my work and in anything. So even though it gets hard, that doesn't mean we just have to run away. We have to keep working at it and continue to get better. So I think martial arts is a fantastic tool for that. Um, yeah, I would recommend it for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and what a good way to stay in shape too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. That part's an added bonus after having babies, you know? <laughs> yeah. Emotionally and spiritually and physically all in one. Yes. And punching bags are nice too. <laughs> right. <laughs> so on your website, you have a ton of great content and in a wide range of topics, but your main goal is to lead women to find freedom in faith. So would you share with listeners your own path to freedom? Yes. So my parents did a phenomenal job of parenting. And if I could be a quarter of the parent that they are, then my kids are going to be very blessed by that. But um, definitely uh, 
they raised me in a Christian home. And so they gave me this great foundation of faith, but because they, you know, we always had to go to church when I was a kid and uh, it was never an optional thing. It was like the whole family's getting up early on Sunday and we're driving to church and we're, you know, we get home, you take the Sunday nap and, and it was like our way of life. And so I grew up knowing all of the right answers, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned yeah. all the, the Bible character stories. And then once you learn them, you go back and you do them again. And, and so all of that was uh, a great foundation, but I will say that whenever I got older, you know, like everybody will, you have to, you have to figure out if that's really what you believe or not. And so, um, whenever I was a teenager, I was in a, uh, I would call it a toxic relationship. I don't think that it was, uh, his fault necessarily, but, um, I do think that some people are just oil and water. And, um, so as a teenager and a young adult, I was in a very toxic relationship. And, uh, I remember that I was laying down in my bed. I think I was like 16 years old at the time. I was, I was laying down and I, I remember looking up and my fan was going, my ceiling fan was spinning and the air of the fan was drying the tears that I was crying before they could fall. And I remember that I looked over at my nightstand and my Bible was there, but it was really dusty because yeah. I hadn't actually opened it in a long time. You know, it was something that was definitely like a part of my life, but not something that I like really took for myself. So I remember that I opened my Bible that day and I had no idea where to start. I had no idea what to do. And I flipped it over to Psalms and I just started reading and girl, I was hooked <laughs> ever since then, since I was 16 years old, I, I realized that, um, the important thing about me was what God thought about me, not what anybody else thought about me. And, um, I just discovered that he wasn't just a, a God who saved people from a flood, but he was a God who would save me. And, mm. um, yeah, I, ever since then I've just been hooked and I, and I haven't turned back and I hope I never do. Yeah. Yeah. You moved from what it sounds like is from religion to a relationship. Exactly. You nail it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you actually host a weekly Bible study called strength and dignity. And you say that when a worthy, but worn out woman sits among her faith filled friends, something remarkable happens. With an exhausted sigh, she finally speaks what's been weighing heavy on her heart and is met with a resounding girl, me too. So in this generation of loneliness and fatigue, it's just, it's an epidemic, honestly, I I think. So why do you think that this is and why is building community so important to you? Okay, that's a great question. So uh, first of all, I named the Bible study group Strength and Dignity from Proverbs 31, 25, and and for me, that's like the beautiful picture of womanhood, right? Like so yeah. often we think we have to be like, you know, quiet and, and feminine and dainty. And those things are beautiful for sure. But you can also be strong at the same time. And mm-hmm. so I think that whenever we um, jump into a community of like iron sharpening women, yeah. that's what happens. You can like, first of all, being vulnerable and like putting yourself out there in a safe place like a Bible study is a very brave thing to do. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing weak about that. And I think that most of the time we get like so scared to, you know, put our real selves out there. And then whenever we finally do somebody else is like, Oh girl, yeah, for sure. Like I'm struggling with the same exact thing. And so I just think that we cannot do this alone. And, um, especially, you know, today with social media and, and all of the comparison things that we have, we're comparing like what we know of our real life, that my living room is always a mess compared to somebody else's like beautiful 
farmhouse kitchen that's spotless all the time because <laughs> they put their you know highlights on social media which is there's no problem with that but whenever you really get to know somebody in like a, a small group bible study setting then that vulnerability goes a long way and you finally understand that you're not alone and that you're not like crazy and all the stuff that you've been struggling with is it's just life and so if you can have advice from good godly women who are in the word that is invaluable for sure yeah and you actually have a friend that we were talking the other day she said that there was actually a woman that came up to her and said, I just have nothing in common with you. Like, I can't relate to your perfect life. Well, (laughs) then my friend was opened up and said, well, yeah, you see what, what's going on now or what you think is, but let me tell you about the real story, the behind the scenes of what my life really looks like. And by, by being honest, they finally connected. Yes. So I think it's like, we we're just putting up these pretenses of everything is fine. And I'm living this perfect life when really nobody is. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I remember a while ago, my pastor shared a picture of his beautiful family. And then he's like, this was like the 42nd picture (laughs) because every kid was crying. Everybody was running around. We were all yelling at each other. And so you just have to know like what you see finally is not what's actually happening. And that's the case for everything. So yeah. 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 And when you're finally honest, that's when you can really connect. Yes. Um, So your mom is an author and she has written Raising a Leader for Life. And it's a master plan for being an intentional parent. So you have children of your own as well. What are some words of wisdom that you've learned from your mom about parenting intentionally? Okay, so I am so glad she wrote a book about this because it would take a book (laughs) to answer that question because my mom is um, one of my spiritual heroes. My parents are my parenting heroes. They were just phenomenal examples for me. And And the amazing thing about my mom writing that book is that she's dyslexic. And so Mm. for her, this is like a huge task. And so it's just another thing to, you know, admire about her and and be inspired by because she doesn't let that get in her way. She's like, I have this information. We're going to get it out one way or another. And so she did a great job. But um, if I could say like the one thing that I am really, especially implementing in my parenting right now, because my girls are little, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and they are polar opposite, like could not be different but the one thing that stays the same for both of them is my mom has this formula it's 50% love and 50% discipline and so you always have to keep it balanced if you if you have um you know you let too much go on the discipline side and you're loving 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 all the time and not disciplined that's not you know that might be comfortable but it's not super beneficial for their future because they have to understand you know limits and and dates and rules and lines and if you're too disciplined and you don't give enough love then it's all you know they're gonna but try to please you by their behavior and they might have some heart issues come up and so I just try to keep it balanced 50 50 as much as possible and another thing I would say is that you know there are times as a parent that your kid will do something and you have the opportunity to choose love or or discipline and the times that I choose grace I explain why And I explained why grace is so important to us in the grace that we've been given. And so that way we always anchor it back to the gospel. Mm, That's good. I'm going to get your mom's book. (laughs) I have have children too, a nine and a seven year old. And, you know, it's a, it's a daily challenge. And sometimes I think, gosh, I'm not, um, I'm not adequate for this job. Like who trained me? (laughs) I'm not ready. I know. I was just talking to a friend about that the other day and I said, okay, you know what? These are Jesus's kids. He can deal with them. (laughs) That's right. And he loves them more than we even do. Oh, yes. 
Yes. So you are following in your mom's footsteps. You are also a writer and you are working on the release of two Bible studies, um, both on the topic of being enough. And so part one is about discovering our worth. And then part two is about unlocking our potential. So what practical steps would you tell listeners to first discover their worth? And then secondly, to unlock their potential. Good question. Okay. So first of all, um, the topic of you are enough is something that we've kind of been hearing a lot lately. And I think it needs some clarification too, because um, I start off the whole (laughs) Bible study shebang with um, chapter one is called you are not enough, (laughs) ironically. And, but I think it's an important message to start with in the first place, because so much of what we hear is that, you know, if you just believe harder, if you just have enough faith, if you just do this and do that and work, 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 then whatever it is that you're struggling with is going to work out. And, you know, the truth is that um, we're not enough. <laughs> if we were enough, then we, we didn't, we have no need for Jesus. Right. And, yeah, and, yeah. and so I think that starting off with that in the first place and then building your foundation around it is really important. So no, you, you know, your um, eternal security has nothing to do with you. Yes, of course you have to make a choice of faith, but that is a free gift that, that God gave you in his son, Jesus. And so um, I think understanding that in the first place should take a lot of pressure off of us. Like this is not up to me and it's not because of me either. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But then once we build our, our foundation on that, I would say for um, discovering your worth, I would say the first thing is that um, you should make strides to be able to understand and study your Bible. And so um, I think that a lot of the you know, daily struggles that women um, have. A lot of times we don't really think necessarily to go to our Bibles first. We go to our friends, we go to social media, we, you know, go to a lot of places else, other places first. But if we can really get a good grip on our Bible and be able to understand it, then the answers are in those pages. And so um, there's a lot of the, the beginning section of that study is a lot about how to study your Bible. And so, um, I, of course, anybody listening, I don't want to leave them hanging. So, you know, if you've ever done any kind of inductive study, the, the big three parts, you have to answer the question, what does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me? And so, um, you know, you have to understand the text for, 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 for who it was written to and for you as well. And then, so my, my first answer to that question would be to know and understand your Bible. And I'm going to have some resources coming out that's going to help women do just that in the near future. And then the second one for unlocking your potential, I think that after you figure out like, you know, okay, I, I understand that I was made and I'm loved and I'm wanted and, and like God God really created me on purpose for a purpose. The second step to that is to figure out, okay, what is that purpose? Like, God, what do you want me to do? And so for that, uh, you have to, you know, discover your gifting. You have to um, understand in what, ways into what audience God wants you to use those gifts that he's given you. And so there is a really practical exercise that I do with the readers and I'm going to share the secret sauce. Are you guys ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I'm yeah. Okay. So there's like kind of, it's a three step process. And so this is what I would do. Go like find a time whenever you have silence. And that might not be if you're especially a mom, like I am to littles, you might have to wake up super early or you might have to like stay up super late, but it's just one day <laughs> and, you know, like grab a notebook for an hour or however long you need 
And then you answer three questions and you have to answer them one at a time. So the first question is, what passions did God give me? Like, what kind of things? Oh, my goodness. I just I can't not do it. Like, God gave me this gift and I have to use it or it's going to eat me alive. Like, just the passions you have, the talents that you have, your spiritual gifts, if you've already, you know, identified those. What kind of things, like, would I wake up to do, would I do for free, the things that just my heart beats for? And then you answer all of those and you just make a list. Some of them might be dumb, write them down anyway. And then the second question is, what is God breaking my heart about? Like, what do I see in the world that I wish I could fix? What burden do I wish that I could heal? And who for? And then you write down all of those. And some of those might be dumb, but write them down anyway. And then the third question is, how do these two things collide? Like, what is the intersection of what my heart beats for and what my heart breaks for? And usually whenever we like intertwine those, those crossroads, the intersection points might be some practical thing that you can do. How can you use your talent to heal a hurt in the world? And, and those are all God given things. And so whenever you identify that, then the question isn't, you know, what do I do? It's how do I do this? And yeah, and that's a, a, ne- a good next step. Oh my gosh, this is so relevant. And it, it speaks to me so much because, and I think to the majority of people, it's like, why am I here? And how am I going to make my time here count? I mean, we're but a vapor really. And so while we're here, what are we supposed to be doing with our time and what does God want us to do? And, and then speaking back to that worth, worth was my word of the year, so to speak, two years ago, Mm. I just was having this major insecurity, like just not believing in myself and not feeling value, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, oh, this, that's so good. I cannot wait to read those too. I, I'm going to have to start adding. This is going to be adding to my book library for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on to our next question, the last devotion you wrote was titled set apart, which is about being different on purpose and how standing out is a good thing. So what inspired you to write this specific devotional? Well, I don't fit in, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, I think everybody's probably felt that at some point, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, we already talked about the social media and how that isolates us sometimes. But, you know, I was just like looking back on my whole life, my experience up until now, and there's always been something different about me. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that necessarily like as a, oh, I'm better. I mean, no, there's just something different. Like, no matter what group I tried to attach myself to, there was always a limit. There was always some line I wouldn't cross. There was always, you know, just something that was hindering me from really like being fully engaged with whatever group I was trying to be in. And so I was like, okay, I decided to pray about it and and study about it. I'm like, okay, Lord, if you made me different, why? Like, why do I not fit in no matter where I go? And basically the answer that he gave me is the answers of on the pages of that devotional. It's, Hey, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to stand out. And, um, I think now that I have identified that and really lived into it, it's been so helpful because the times that I feel like, Oh man, I really just, you know, wish I could jump into this, but there's something stopping me because something about me just isn't fitting in. It's like a relief. It's like, a oh, okay, that means I'm on the right track, you know, like, I was reading about some of the prophets and, and just how different they were, you know, than anybody, and they might say something that might not be popular in culture, but they had to say it anyway, because that was what God had given them, and so as a writer, as somebody who uses words, I very much relate to that, you know, sometimes 
there are some things that my Bible says that the more I study them, the more it goes against the culture that I live in, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. You know, you don't have to like the answer, but you have to know the answer. And so, you know, you're supposed to be different on purpose. And when you are different, you're a light for the world. Like you don't want to stand in with everybody else because then how are they going to identify Jesus? So you, the difference in you is the light that other people are going to ask about and say, Hey, what, why is it that you're, you know, like so, so different from everybody else? And I'm like, well, good question. Let's grab a coffee and I'll mm. tell you all about it. You know? Yeah. So I think it's, it's your, it's your business card for the kingdom. Mm, that's good. And you know, it's something that I've been working on with my son. He, some of our rules are different from some of his friends at school's rules. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, he's like, but mom, I'm not fitting in. And I'm like, well, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Because this is just a precursor. So when you're 16 and there's even bigger issues, when you're saying I'm not fitting in, then this is just getting you ready for that. So that's something we're working on a lot at home. And I think that never changes, you know, yes. no matter what age we are. Yeah. So right. There's a, there's a girl that I, um, I mentor her and her sister. And so they're, uh, I think they're like 20 years old and 12, their sisters. And, um, both of them feel this way. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? You're at very different stages of life, but ha- feeling the same thing. And so this is a good indicator to you that this, while this problem may not go away, maybe we should shift our perspective that it's not a problem at all. It's a gift. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you're supposed to be different. And so there are some years and some stages that are going to be harder than others, but whenever you get older, you'll, you'll find your people, you know, you'll find the people that, that are running hard after Jesus too. And you're going to fit in there. And, and mm. definitely if nothing else, if you never fit in anywhere else, then we have an eternal place where we fit in and we were made for. And so all the things that the uncomfortable parts of living here in this society and this culture and this time, all of the uncomfortable parts of that are all going to go away. And whenever we get to heaven, Oh my goodness, it's going to be <laughs> everything that we ever thought. And we're going to feel like, Oh, this is where I belong because it's where you do. Mm, amen. Well, so you are currently writing and I'm like, as we keep talking about all these things that you've written, I'm like, how does she have the time? But anyway, because <laughs> I'm trying to write too. And I'm like, oh, but so okay. a lot so of help we, in a messy house, girl. <laughs> there you go. So we, you are currently writing now a devotion called He Knows My Name about the unnamed characters in the Bible, like the woman at the well and the woman with the issue of blood. And so how can we, um, even though we don't know their names, God does. And this sounds so interesting to me. So can you give us sort of a sneak peek on what content we might expect with when this releases? Yes, I am so excited about this one. Uh, of course, I'm excited about whatever one I'm currently working on. That's usually how it works. But, oh, man, this one is so good. So the reason that I chose this is because I was studying um, the woman at the well. and And I have heard it taught a lot. And Mm -hmm. so I was just, you know, like recapping everything that I had learned about it, about how Jesus went out of his way to meet her and, and went into enemy territory and, you know, all of the details of that story. And I'm like, at the end of it, I thought, man, she was really important to you. (laughs) You know, like if, if anything else, yes, there's so much more to that story to get. But the thing that stuck out to me was that she was so important to you and we don't even know her name. And then I thought of the other people in the Bible that that's true of like the woman with the issue of blood, like she was desperate to touch the hem of his cloak because that's how much faith she had. And he stopped what he was doing and he made sure to, you know, point out her faith and, and heal her. 
And I thought, man, she was really important to you. That's the thing I saw. And we don't even know her name. And so I thought about that in a world that like, we all try to, you know, be significant and, and, you know, you want your name out there and you're chasing after dreams and you're chasing after goals. And whether that happens or not, it doesn't really matter because even if the world does not know your name, Jesus does. Mm -hmm. And you are important to him. He would go out of his way. He would go to enemy territory to get you. And is that not what he did? Did he not come down and come into enemy territory to get you? So I just think, uh, you know what? It doesn't matter who knows my name. It doesn't matter how significant I try to be. It doesn't matter any of that because it is not about me. It is about Jesus. And he knows my name. That's all I need. That's the that's the satisfaction, the security that my soul is going to rest in forever. Mm, that's so beautiful. So as the host of the Love Offering podcast, I especially loved one of your quotes that says, May your love inspire others to seek the source. And our words of love need to be followed by actions of love. So how would you recommend listeners uh, point people to Jesus through their words and actions? Yes, I love that quote. I don't even know who said it. I found it somewhere and I use it all the time. And I think about it all the time because there are, you know, we're all human and we all have uh, pet peeves and limits and, and our tolerance has times that it, it is not exercised as much as it does. And so whenever I think about that, like I have a choice to be loving. And when I do, that's going to point people to Jesus. Like, gosh, I don't even know that I could quote that verse or what is it in Matthew, maybe that um, he says, like, by your love, people are going to know that you're mine, basically, yes. if I could mm-hmm. summarize it. And so I think about that a lot. And so basically, in those moments when my patience is running thin, I try to like give myself a pause and say, okay, how can I point people to Jesus in this moment? And so I think, yes, definitely your words. Like, I don't know about if anybody else has this problem, but I have a quick wit. And so for me, I have to a lot of time, like being loving in my words is not saying the word. (laughs) You know what I mean? Holding your tongue. (laughs) Yes. I mean, of course, encouraging words are really important and we should do that. But for me, sometimes it's not saying the thing that I actually want to say. And so holding your tongue is definitely a good way. But also I think in action, um, I, I'm a big believer in like, yes, sure. If there is a stranger at Starbucks that I feel like I need to go evangelize to, then that's what I'm going to do. But more so I'm like a walk with you girl. And so for me, how I show the most love is just to be available. And so that's actually, if I take the Starbucks thing a little further, I think maybe two weeks ago, I was sitting in Starbucks and I was working on some writing stuff. And so I had my Bible open and unapologetically. And so this girl was sitting next to me and she's like, Hey, what are you studying? And so we struck up a conversation and, and, um, and she's just the sweetest thing. And so I was inviting her to, you know, the S&D Bible study and some stuff like that. And so then on that week, she showed up and she came to the Bible study. And that's how I knew like, okay, Lord, this we're doing this thing, you know, like if you if you give me somebody twice, I usually am going to run with it. And so she showed up and, and since then, we've really gotten to know each other. And, um, and I gave her my phone number and we've been texting and she, you know, follows the stuff and she signed up for some devotionals. And so for me, it's just, okay, I'm going to put people over projects. My, Mm -hmm. my sister always tells me that, um, something that she sees in me that I have never saw in myself. So I'm glad that she pointed out because otherwise I wouldn't have known, but it's that the most important thing we can do is chase the most important why. So yes, I could have, um, 
you know, given that girl a quick answer and said, okay, uh, I got to get back to it and kept studying, but that's not the most important why in that situation. Like my deadline can change my devotional editing. I can stay up late. I can do it. But this soul sitting next to me that, that needs somebody to talk to that's time sensitive and that's eternal. So you always chase the most eternal thing. And so that can be true of any situation, right? Like maybe it's a girl at Starbucks or maybe it's your husband or your kids or, you know, some other friend you haven't connected with in years, but what's the most important why eternally? Does that make sense? Yes. It's such good advice. And actually, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking I hosted the if gathering this weekend and I, you know, as, as the host, um, it's like, (laughs) I was worried about plates and napkins and filling up the water, you know, making sure everybody's physical needs were met, you know, Mm -hmm. well, and, but then when I was going to the store to get more plates and this girl said, can I go with you? So I'm like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well then all, all, all that to say, she says, I I need prayer. I'm losing Mm -hmm. it. You know, so what turned, and so then we had just this quiet time, even on the way to the grocery. And I'm like, Oh Lord, this wasn't about plates. This was about getting (laughs) us away to, to be quiet. You know, the snacks can wait. So I know it's just like, okay, am I, what, I need to pay attention to who God has in front of me at this very moment and this divine appointment and and taking the time to be interrupted, so to speak. Oh, that is so good. And that is so beautiful that he did that for you. I, I love it. It's like a Mary and Martha. You got to be both in one day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so as uh, I've read your blogs and devotions, the topic of marriage continues to be on the forefront. So you have an article about submission in a modern marriage and a year of date night freebies that guests can download. So concentrating on our marriages is, is just, it's important. And so how do we continue to make this a priority and what suggestions do you have for listeners to do the same? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, putting marriage in its rightful place of your priorities is important. So of course, I'm not going to tell anybody else what they have to do. But for me, my order of priorities goes my relationship with God, my marriage, my kids, my calling. So for me, um, of course, it's important that my husband and I are both chasing after after God heart. I always say it's like a pyramid, like a triangle, right? Like the husband and the wife are on the bottom corners and God's on the top. And so the closer that or the faster that each spouse runs toward God, you're going to like ultimately get closer to each other because you have no choice. <laughs> right. You know, you you're you're running after the same thing. And so for sure that's the most important part. But also then like in practical ways make that marriage a priority meaning um if my kids if my husband gets home from work and my kids are climbing all over me right then i'm going to get up and i'm going to go and and you know see my husband first and my kids might not like that cuz i'm going to say hey get off me for a sec i'm going to go see your dad <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah but like, even in little ways like that i show them that he is he's the important one and then they're you know a very close second but so that means date nights for us but the the most important thing cuz i know that some of that stuff you know, it's hard to do. There's babysitting involved and there's money involved and there's like getting away is not always something that you can do. But for me, because my marriage is the second place in my life, then I hate it whenever something is uncomfortable there. Like if we have an argument and it doesn't get settled and we have to go our separate ways, that eats at me. And so I'm going to like, you know, pause what I'm doing. I'm going to call him. I'm going to make it right because I can't take that, that feeling of, um, 
I don't know, any kind of animosity or, or whatever in that relationship because it's so high on the priority scale. And so even if it's uncomfortable, then I have to do it. And, um, you know, some really great resources for marriage. My husband and I's favorite marriage book is Love and Respect. Mm-hmm. I've read it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I, and I think it's in that book. I think about it all the time because it's like tongue in cheek, but I'm pretty sure it's in that book that he says, um, you know, whenever you have an argument, somebody has to break the ice and make it right. And so that's going to be the more spiritually mature person. And so every time we have an argument, I'm like, okay, do I um, uh, hold this grudge because it feels good? Or do I go and be the more spiritually mature person? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, but, but it really is, you know, it's such a priority that even if like the date night thing can't happen or getting away can't happen, being okay with each other can no matter what. And so um, I just have to make sure that whenever I feel that, you know, something's brewing, something's not right, then I have to go and settle it right away. Yeah. Well, and, and I think for me, it's for, for my marriage, it's, it's okay. I've committed to this. I'm making this a choice and I want to make this person feel loved. So it can be, even if you can't get away for a date night, it's like making one another coffee, making sure that, you know, you are really listening to them, putting your phone down at the meal. And like you said, greeting, your husband, when he comes home from a long day of work, like I'm noticing you, I'm glad you're home mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yes. and vice versa. Sometimes it's me that has a, a meeting or an event that I have to go to and he's at home with the kids. And whenever I walk in, he's like, Hey, we missed you. So glad you're home. You know? So yes, that definitely goes both ways for sure. So your cha- your church this year challenged you to take the next step to grow spiritually or it, it encouraged your whole church. I shouldn't say you specifically, but <laughs> yeah, they're so, like, well, get yourself in church. <laughs> no, yeah. plural, not singular. <laughs> so you have said that this year you want to read the Bible chronologically and open your Bible before you open your phone and say yes to the things that you have felt called, but too afraid to pursue. So these are all great goals and I have similar ones, but how do you continue to shake off complacency and fear to achieve these goals? Cause we're in February now we're interviewing. Yes. So yes. this all started in January. So yes. How do we keep going all, all throughout the year? Well, you know, I'll tell you that some days are better than others. Like some days I wake up and I immediately grab my phone. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not supposed to do that. You know, um, but so, okay. to answer the question, I think that, first of all, I love that my church has challenged us to do this, because especially whenever you're someone who, like me, has been raised in a Christian home and like faith has always been a part of your life, sometimes in the back burner, sometimes in the forefront, but it's always been there then complacency comes really easy and you can get really comfortable being where you are. And so I love that my church is challenging everybody to do this because um, no matter where you are, there's always something else to, to grow in spiritually. And so it reminds me, one of, one of, the favorite, um, one of my favorite lyrics in a song is by uh, Bethel and it's called Over My Head. Have you ever heard that song? I love Bethel, but I don't know. Do you, okay. are you a singer? Do you want to sing? No, it no, 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 but it is the, the line that I love is, um, I'm only knee deep, but I'm out where I've never been. Mm. And so for me, like that is absolutely the story of faith for me. Like I can learn all I want. I can study all I want. I can pray. I can do all of the things and understand God better and discover his character and see the lines that connect these biblical characters and apply it to my life. And all of that is fantastic. But the more that I learn, the more I understand that I don't know. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, you can, you feel like you are, you know, the deepest spiritually that you have ever been, but there is so much more to God. 
he is infinite. Like you are never going to satisfy that craving until you can see his face. And so for me, it's just like, okay, I can't get complacent here because there's so much more to discover, if that makes sense. And so to shake off the complacency, I would say, you know, there's some things that you can do that like everybody has always encouraged a quiet time. Right. And I love, um, I was listening to something Jen Wilkins said this week that she said, you know, quiet time has never worked for me. Like the, the 30 minutes a day in the morning before my kids get up, like personally, that's how I do it just because I need the silence. So I will get up early and do it like that. But something that she said is that, okay, I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to study for an hour twice a week or three times a week. Like it doesn't have to look the same for everybody. It doesn't have to look, you know, the same that we've always heard it uh, told of us. You can make it work however you want. But I think that there's so much truth to that. Because if you do, let's say like you open up your Bible 15 minutes a day, then you're going to get sure small increments and that's great. But that is not enough time to really study it. And so if you give it an hour, but you can only do that twice a week, you're going to go actually deeper that way and understand more. And so I just think, you know, to shake off complacency, you got to mix it up. You got to make it work for you and your schedule and make it your number one priority. That doesn't necessarily mean getting up early, but, you know, making it a priority whenever you can. And as far as the fear part, I have learned that if whatever I do, if I devote that thing to glorify God, then ultimately it's going to be successful. It doesn't necessarily mean that event is going to go well, or, you know, I might put my foot in my mouth. I do that a lot, but ultimately God's going to be glorified somehow. Even if me putting my foot in my mouth says some to someone else who's listening or watching, Hey, you know what? She's human. Then that's God glorifying too, because then that tells them, okay, if she can do this, then maybe I can too. And so all of it, if I commit it to him, I decided a long time ago, like David dancing half naked, I'm willing to make a fool out of myself for you, Lord, for you only, will I yeah. make myself look dumb. And so, you know, if, if you can do that, then there's really nothing to fear because he's the one that you're aiming to please, not anybody else. And so I just do, I know, let me rephrase that. I try <laughs> to get out of my head and say, okay, Lord, this is for you. If I, if I mess up, if I stumble, that's for you too. And I'm, I'm going to need you to redeem it and use it because, you know, this is, this is your thing. I was happy doing martial arts the rest of my life and you called me to do this. So you're going to have to be the one to make it work. Mm, yeah. And so he gets all the glory. Exactly. Yeah. So you have created something called the Abundant Life Manifesto to challenge attitudes, realign priorities, and change our paradigms. So why did you feel led to create this manifesto and how have you seen change through it? Yes. So I created the manifesto because I needed something that kind of encompassed all that I had learned that year. I think, I don't, I think I wrote it two years ago, maybe. And so um, I wrote basically everything that I had, I had learned in the previous year because I was like, you know, it was a big spiritual growth year for me. And I was like, I don't want to like, let this progress go. I don't want to take you know, two steps forward and then one step back. I want to keep going. And so I created this manifesto of, of basically like the life that I wanted to live according to the things that God had taught me that year. Like there are sections about, um, you know, jumping in, even though you're afraid. And there are sections about not gossiping and, and being a woman who builds up other people and not tears them down. And so, it, you know, it, it's all encompassing for sure. But so I wrote it all down and then I thought, okay, I'm going to, challenge myself to read this every day. That way I don't forget the things that God has taught me. And I thought it might be beneficial for other people too. So I, 
I made it where if you um, subscribe to my blog, it automatically gets sent to you. And so the challenge is there's a 30 day challenge. You hang it up for me. It's in my bathroom mirror. Cause that's where I, I'm just so conceited. I look in the mirror all the time. <laughs> no, but it's on my way in my, in my bedroom. And so I pass by that section of my house a lot. And so I, I put it up and while I'm brushing my teeth, I just read over it. I read over it every day for 30 days. And at the end, it was so funny how like the, the part that stuck out to me that day would be the day about gossip. And then that day someone would come over for coffee and start talking about somebody else. And I'm like, Ooh, nope, not going to do that. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, or like the next day, something about fear and, and jumping in anyway would, um, would stand out to me. And then that day I had a big opportunity and I thought, Oh my gosh, there's no way that I can do this. And I'm like, no, I can, I'm, I'm jumping. And so it's just funny how God uses, you know, the, the lessons that he taught you and, and brings them back to mind in the time that you need them. So it does, it does change your perspective a little bit. Yeah. sounds like such a good resource, something that um, I myself would like to download. So as we close, I, I always ask my, my guests the same question. So who has been the extraordinary giver uh, for you in your life? Cause that's what this podcast really is trying to celebrate is, you know, how are we giving back to our, the people around us, how are we loving others? And so who has loved you well in your life? I could talk another 40 minutes about this because <laughs> I have had so many extraordinary givers in my life, but I would say the one who is um, at the forefront of my mind right now is my husband. Mm. Uh, I think that he is just so good at uh, making his family a priority. He is very much a entrepreneur and um, he's always thinking, always trying to improve like his uh, girl, his brain never stops. <laughs> and so the, the thing that I love about him is that while he is so ambitious, he also always makes it a point to like anchor us at home. And so he does such a great job at like leading us spiritually. But the thing that he has really given to me personally is um, like a very bold confidence and this like belief in myself because there are times that I'm like okay you know we've had some really interesting conversations in our marriage you know we started this business together and we thought it was going to be us together forever and then God called me to ministry and so I was so afraid to have that conversation with him and I'm like hey I think I'm supposed to minister to women like I don't know what that's going to look like but I don't think it's going to look like me being at work with you every day anymore and he's like you were made for this like go for it yeah. and so he just, it just without hesitation, he gave up like the dream of us working together forever so that I could pursue the thing that God is calling me to do. And he just does things like that over and over again. There are times that I've wanted to quit and he's like, nope, <laughs> no choice. You're, you know, and he gave me the confidence. There are times that we went through some really hard stuff and God like moved us across the country. And while I was afraid and mad at God and, and all of this, he just had this extraordinary faith. And so he let me borrow some of it, you know? So he's yeah. always, whatever I need, he's giving it to me. Mm, yeah. Just that belief in, in, in your spouse, because my husband does the same for me, for me. It's, it's yes. priceless. Isn't it? Is it? So Absolutely priceless. priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, how can listeners best keep in touch with you after, you know, we want to read these resources, get these, um, Bible studies and this manifesto. So can you tell us how we can keep in touch with you? Yes, for sure. You can go to tiffanyrave.com. And if you subscribe there, you'll automatically get the manifesto and updates whenever um, he knows my name comes out. And then all the other devotionals we talked about, they're actually being transitioned right now into workbooks that you can like tangibly journal in and highlight. And I'm a I'm a big touch feel girl. So 
those will be available soon. So definitely TiffanyRave.com. And then if you want to follow me on social media, Instagram is probably the best place. And that's at Tiffany.Rave. And I, and whenever you follow me somewhere, like shoot me an email, tell me your name, tell me a little bit about you. Cause I love getting to know you and not just like sending you stuff. I want to know you. I want to pray for you. All of that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. This was such a good conversation and just get your mind thinking and, and such practical advice and resources to, to move forward into a, um, being a leader for life with strength and dignity and just being set apart. I mean, all of it, we could talk after like a whole, another episode on all this. So, so, so good. I appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you so much. You are a gracious host and I have loved getting to know you. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.